we are live and we are public and we have a whole crowd in the house tonight on everyone's hey, we had James in the chat already saying hello hey what's up James what's going on James of course I am Mike Scala joined by Jay Carter the chair of BLM Tokyo also known as hip-hop artist Timid whose new single we are we were never the problem is on shade 45 as we speak yeah yeah and our special so, guest let's start with Hayes live, right? Cerebral Hayes is in the house how you doing Hayes Hello, thanks for inviting me here. Appreciate it. Hello to everyone watching us. I hope you stick around and enjoy our conversations. It's going to be a good one. There you go. We're going to talk about some of your efforts in the gaming world or your, your, your conquests as they were. Uh, but we're also joined by Natalie White from Equal Means Equal, doing big things out there with regards to the Equal Rights Amendment and, of course, fighting for equality. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you for having me. And we're also joined off camera by Zan Shapiro. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I'm a military contractor and I'm a pro gamer. That's what I do. There you go. So we're going to talk about a lot in this hour. We want to get to the million dollars worth of free pizza. That's been oh. out. I'm very excited about that myself. But we'd like to start with a lighthearted topic. And since we have some gamers here, I thought maybe we'd get into that. So, Jay, you were asking a question. What was your question? Your mic is off, so <laughs> turn your mic off. There we go. How about that? Hayes was saying she was a shooter, so I was trying to gauge uh, where where she was at with shooters. So uh, let's see what we got with Zan and, and Hayes on their on their shooters. Which one is the best? Ooh, okay, which one is the best? Now you're not asking us to honestly just represent our skill our skills at shooting, <laughs> we, right? We'll get to that. Let's see. Let's hear <laughs> okay. your best. This is like the top five conversation in hip hop. So like, where, where's where's your best rank? Oh, oh, uh, Doom, 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 the original Ooh. Doom, you know, I, 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 the ultimate, the Doom Ultimate series, I have this fond memory of walking into what you had to buy computer games back in the day at stationary stores, like a Staples, a Costco, they're the only places that had computer accessories and you could get the games there. And I walked in and I, my dad said I could have a video game, but it had to be under like, you know, $15 or something like that. I picked out Doom. It was the ultimate pack. It was beautiful. I was so excited. I brought it to the cash register and they said, sorry, this isn't $15. This is $46. They had labeled it wrong. And I was heartbroken. The guy gave it to me anyway. It's the best day of my life. Awesome. Yeah, Doom was a good one. I remember that one. Remember, remember Duke Nukem, though, the, the one-liners, yeah. they were awesome. Yeah. How about Hayes? Stay loyal to my video games. I played Counter-Strike for a very long time. Damn. I a lot a long time, Zan. I'm 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 I think I love sniping my my hope my goal all the time all the time is just to look for that one very exciting precise shot <laughs> i live for that I will, I will stop one person the entire game to get one headshot <laughs> well that's a very that's a very technical game yeah that's a very skilled game right there i wasn't playing that back in the day hazel was ahead of me apparently at that point in our lives in terms of gaming skill. I still, <laughs> I still do it, don't you, don't you? So Zan and I actually met at PUBG. We played PUBG, I, like guys, we were not sleeping. We weren't, we would go to work, come back, play, <laughs> 
sleep a little bit, play again, and then go to work, come back. I was completely unemployable at that time. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I would I would go out into my car to play a couple of games at lunch break. I and then I'd go back in. I would go into the bathroom and play a game. You know, I would come home, play some games before dinner and then after dinner. And I'd wake up before work to get some games in, you know, to keep your uh, rank. If you're on a leaderboard um, in order to maintain your rank, it's not just by accumulating a set right. um, flat amount of experience points. You know, uh, you can have, you know, say rank 45. But um, if the person underneath you just does, you know, works hard while you're sleeping, you wake up and he's above you again. So to maintain a certain rank level, um, it takes an exhausting and just prohibitive amount of effort. It's not sustainable, but it's fun while it lasts. Yeah, I like playing baseball games a little bit and I play a little bit of the show, but I just can't keep up with the people playing it 24 seven, getting all these cards and, you know, they kick your team's ass when you log back in. Yeah, like us. <laughs> How about you, Natalie? Any games uh, in your in your free time? No. <laughs> no, flat. No. Um, I... The only the only shooting experience I have is the fact that I'm from West Virginia and I've shot many live guns. Um, <laughs> that's what it is. Hayes is never. Heard. So she she needs to yeah. practice on a video game. You've got the real world experience. <laughs> I, not not a lot though i'm not like an avid shooter or anything you know i'm not i mean at one point i was a member of the nra but that wasn't by choice that's just because i was born and i got a lifetime membership but that's not that doesn't count everyone in west virginia yeah, it automatically applies <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much, pretty much. yeah i mean <laughs> you know it's funny i don't play much but when I was studying for the bar, they recommended taking frequent breaks and doing things to work on your concentration during the breaks. And so video games actually were very helpful in that. I would take a break from studying for the bar and play some baseball video games and things like that just to keep my concentration up and come back to it with a renewed focus. And I think it helped. You did an RPG you used to play the, back then too. Um, it was the big, what was the big one back then? Final Fantasy? No, 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 not Final Fantasy. It was, I mean, it was huge at the time. It was mad, and it's a massive game. I can't remember what it was. There was a, games? Huh? Yeah, Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption? No, it was an R, It was an RPG. Okay. Not Elder Scrolls, not... Um, well, Skyrim. Skyrim, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I played that for a bit, too. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. You guys play any so RPGs? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, okay. It's like, I've got the whole, the yeah, whole game. <sighs> look, every, yeah, of a romantic history with it. Okay. But now it's just cold Turkey and because Elden Ring came out and I didn't get into it. And, you know, before that, there was another game that came out. There was a giant, you know, life-changing RPG that had equal amount of hype and, you know, nope, nope, didn't get into it. So it's been this like roller coaster ride for RPGs for me in the past like three, four years, which is like, you know, lots and lots of hype and hype, 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 but nobody likes it when it comes out. And it's just like a repeating cycle. I don't know. I'm waiting for something to just Elden Ring. People like it. I don't like the style of it. Um, I didn't like, you know, um, Dark Souls, the style of those games, so I didn't really get into it. And that's what everyone's playing now. So, look, I'm waiting for the new Elder Scrolls. I'm just waiting. Never played it. Yeah, I haven't played those either. So, 
I think last question on this, I, since we got the two the two gamers. Is it called RBG, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg? No, no, no RPG. <laughs> oh, okay. role playing game. So I know this could this could cause a fight, but uh, PUBG or Fortnite? <laughs> Get out of here with that Fortnite. <laughs> what are we? Twelve. <laughs> No, I did start off with Fortnite though. And then I was super happy because this was, this is like a gamer's dream to finally have something portable, like your mm. phone and a game in, in one thing. <laughs> and Fortnite was the first game, right? So I played it because it was just like, oh my gosh, technology, I love you. And the voice, um the the voice chat happened and i realized i was playing with seven-year-olds yeah yep that was beating weird. so i said uh no it's this is weird <laughs> i can't Listen. so yeah i can't <laughs> I, I don't i don't care if they're seven if they go come into that lobby they can get shot like an adult <laughs> man up <laughs> Don't step in if you're not <laughs> ready for it. Don't oh, step into the kitchen if you can't drive the heat. They're so good. They're very My, good. Are, are, I just want to double check. Is is the video live right now on the page, Mike? I just wanted to double make. Yes. I wanted to watch it, but yes. I, I couldn't. I couldn't see it. Okay, just double make sure. I'm just. It's just my problem. Then. Okay, cool. <laughs> I couldn't find it. I wanted to share it on the page while it was still live. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So pizza. Let's talk about this. This is why we're here tonight. A million dollars in free pizza to be given out. How cool is that? So why don't you tell us about this event? But none of the Japanese flavors, right? <laughs> what, what are uh, Japanese flavors? Wasabi and seaweed? No, there's a oh, mayonnaise, no. mayonnaise corn is popular out here. Wow, okay. I'm so, gonna be open-minded about it. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. I yeah, don't think it sounds, <laughs> sounds good, nervous statement. <laughs> corn. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> I like anchovies. I, yeah, I, 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 I assume it would be kind of like a tartar sauce. You know how like tartar sauce isn't just white; it has some like weird green vegetables in it, and it's not really about the taste of the vegetable. It just gives like the sauce texture. I'd imagine it would be like that. So a little bit about the pizza giveaway is that Hayes and I are currently working with Pizza Dow, who which is an NFT Dow. Uh, that a part of their DAO is to give away free pizza. Um, Hayes, I know you know a little bit more about the history than I do. So why don't you go ahead and tell everyone? Sure, thanks, Natalie. So we are very excited to be a part of this really cool charity that started last year. The Pizza DAO guys um, began giving away free pizzas. Uh, at first, they spent $330,000 worth of pizzas, right? A bunch of really cool people that I know, IRL in real life, you know, and they're just a bunch of generous people and said, uh, hey, we, we have some money, you know, uh, why not have everyone participate in this cool thing. We love pizzas, let's celebrate pizzas and come one and come, come all join us, join the crew. 
So anyway, I got into you know the 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 circle. It's a bunch of us, really awesome people. It's a community, right? A bunch of us loving pizzas, and we're like, you know what? Let's give away more pizzas next year. <laughs> so we planned this. In a few months, we said, hey, why don't we set the bar higher? You know, it used to be just okay. Let's double it up to like six. 160,000 and you're just like, yeah, let's shoot for the stars. Let's make it a million. Why not? Why not? You know? Yeah. Well, well that sounds good. Yeah. So they're, they're going to be giving away pizzas in a lot of different cities all over the world. Yeah. But like, luckily I live in, in little Italy in New York. So <laughs> the home of probably the most pizza ovens in the whole world, like on per square day. inch. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So as far as pizza ovens go, I would guess that Little Italy is probably up there with having, like, there are ten pizza restaurants just on my block alone. Meaning Mulberry between Grand and Hester, there are ten pizza places. So um, I don't think that anywhere else in the world you're gonna have that. So, um, on May 25th, um, 22nd, day, 20th. oh, May 22nd, sorry. Sunday, yeah, May 22nd, Sunday. Sunday, May 22nd, <laughs> right? Sunday, May 22nd, we're going to be having the free pizza giveaway. Yeah. Basically, guys, it's a big pizza-themed group that's charitably oriented. And they're just going to give away a whole lot of free pizza. Last year, they yeah. gave away so much free pizza that they set the world record for the largest pizza party in the world. And they're going and to do it again this year because they're spending th over three times as much money on, on more pizza. So it's going to be yeah. ridiculous. And you should all be there. It's going to be three times bigger than the largest pizza giveaway in the world. It's going to be outrageous. Last We're all going to set a world record that day if you yeah. show up. Let's get they're, it. They're going to beat their own world record by three times now so. those in new york they should go to little italy on this day are there any particular pizzerias that are participating or all they're all going to be doing it where should they be going all roads going to be shut down right we'll we'll, we'll so, yeah so well, that's what we're working on you know that's why you know we're inviting the entire community to participate this is a community thing of course right the more the merrier it's really like open house like open for everyone. It's a great time for everyone, you know, tourists or j just, hey, the rest of the world can experience just the joy of giving, even for a day, May 22nd, right? And we're just like, hey, let's just spread good vibes. It's been the pandemic, like the pandemic's kind of obviously a downer for everyone. New York City's been suffering this cold <laughs> for like, it's just, hey, you know, let's let's just get out for once, you know, celebrate, have something fun, give each other pizza, right? So we're like, hey, community, you know, what have you been doing lately? Come out, you know, have some sun, give some pizzas, talk to your 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 people next door, and just socialize, right? Because why not? So. I think that's the vibe and like the feel we're trying to give out here. It's like, just, just come out, you know, and, and be a part of us. And that's all more friends. 
Absolutely. That sounds great to me. I know a lot of our viewers are from Howard Beach and there's a lot of Italians out there. I'm sure they're going to love to hear this as well. All up. Come on. Let's, let's, it's it's, it's going to be a party, you know? Uh, and, and as I've said, you know, we, 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 we have to celebrate sometimes, right? <laughs> so let this be an excuse for us to, you know, meet new friends, meet, have, have some, some, some cool experience. So, yeah, that's an invitation for everyone. Thank you. Yes. May 22nd. And where could people get uh, more information about the event? Is there a website? Is there a social media account? Sure. You can check out humancouncil.io. It's uh, a charity that I run uh, with a couple of people that are partnering with me, uh, Natalie included. She, she's from Equal Means Equal. Um, you know, there are a couple of projects that we're working on, like an all gamer group, tournaments for girls. Um, I'm a foster parent. So we're working on expanding our foster care network, our adoption network. Natalie's been very, very active as well. Um, she's a great support system. And, you know, we, we, we try to do this supporting each other thing within the space. So I'm glad that she's here. Thank you. And um, yeah, we got, of course, of course. But yeah, humancouncil.io, rarepizzas.com. Yeah, and of course, Zan Shapiro, uh, he's a very good friend. Uh, also, you know, loyalty for the gaming community. Um, you know, we, we as gamers, uh, we have this, we actually, um, ha we have a squad, Zan and I, <laughs> we have a squad. Um, Zan, why don't you uh, talk about our squad, how it turned into an NFT uh lab slash studio now real quick before you get into that um you mentioned dow um i think um we want to say at least what a dow is and then also um nft uh, maybe just even what the name of the nft is uh, and briefly okay uh natalie do you want to talk about nfts and also your your what, what you do with nfts um, I, I can talk about my NFT project, but you could probably explain a DAO and an NFT better than I could. Sure, sure. So with, with, with the DAO that we actually are participating in, and, um, you know, that's pizza DAO. What uh, is a DAO? DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. It's a bunch of people, right, that have this membership you get into a group and then you vote on a certain project uh that's just of course condensing things right and uh in order for you to be a part of this community you have to purchase an nft in most cases right and so you have this like uh, democracy it's it's a democracy of uh where the funding is going like for example uh pizza Dow, right um their charity is aimed towards feeding right 
you know, our conversations every day are all about, Hazel, who's your connect in some, some country where kids haven't even tried pizza? So, you know, I'm trying to connect them to, okay, we're not going to just go to the areas of the Philippines, which are like cities. We, we have to go all the way deep into the areas where the kids haven't even tried pizzas, right? So it, it kind of works into, it, this is like, uh, um, that's human anthropology right there. Yeah. So we try we try to make philanthropy as cool as we can. You know, it's like, hey, we don't really need to go through a lot of like people signing stuff, whatever, whatever. Like, hey, let's just have a meeting, get it over and done with, make a vote, and then get it going, guys. Like, why does it take five years to get something charitable to happen when you can make it happen in like 30 and this is the power of this movement the decentralized movement is key and you know I, i'm encouraging everyone to check it out you know if you're all about fast i i i personally believe in the, in this kind of, of structure because it's fast it's transparent. You know who's voting. It's all in there. You can look at the links and then you know where your money's going, right? And I think this is the new kind of dealing with charity. And I think it's powerful. So yeah, that's what right. Yeah, like um, to your point, you wanted me to speak about the Volva Society. Right. That That's what we're trying to do. So we're coming up with an... we. We've already come up with an NFT series. It's called the Vulva Society. You can find us at our website at vulvasociety.io or on Discord at Vulva Society. We're, a, um, we're creating a DAO for um, women's rights charities. So um, with the purchase of your NFT, um, which they're all original NFTs uh, put through an algorithm, um, you are able to vote. So we're going to mint 10,000 and we're going to keep 3,500 of the NFTs in a reserve. That reserve will then go to fund different women's rights and children's rights organizations all over the world. I'm the vice president of Equal Means Equal, which is a national women's rights group. Um, we're going to use part of the DAO to fund Equal Means Equal and also as as a person who purchases the NFT, you're able to vote on what charity we propose that you want the DAO to go to. So, um, you know, your, your purchase of the NFT will not only hopefully go up in value, but it will also help fund charities all over the world, which will support women and children all over the world. Um, and, you know, um, Hopefully everybody will get a piece of artwork that they love and um, they'll help out women's rights all over the world. Natalie, can you talk a little bit about your work with Equal Means Equal? I know you helped get the Equal Rights Amendment ratified. <laughs> can you talk about what the next steps now are and where we are with that? Sure. So when I started working on the Equal Rights Amendment, it was 2015 and no one had voted on the ERA since 1979. So when I became aware of that, I, I'm an artist myself. So I did an art project centered around the ERA. 
and called Natalie White for Equal Rights. And then I walked from New York to DC, um, 250 miles in 16 days. I tagged the US Capitol building after arriving there. Um, and then the government pressed charges against me and I um, represented myself in court. I went all Abby Hoffman style on them. And they had set my court date date totally unknowingly for January 17th and 18th, which was, you know, like two days before the inauguration and three days before the women's march back in like September of 2016, nobody even knew that Hillary Clinton was going to be the democratic nominee or that there would be a need for a women's march. So everybody kind of converged onto Washington DC all of my friends came. They were all there for my trial. Patricia Arquette, Lizzie Jagger, Kamala Lopez, Sarah Beth Stroller. They were all, they all took part in this of an event, which was my uh, trial for tagging the U.S. Capitol. Um, and then we kind of came together and we figured out a strategy on getting the last three states to ratify the ERA. So... Nevada ratified, uh, became the 36th state to ratify. And then we went into Illinois, we rallied in Illinois, Illinois state legislature, Illinois ratified. Now I know that that sounds like it must be a really easy thing to do because Illinois is super progressive, but this woman named Phyllis Schlafly was from Illinois and she didn't want her home state to be known as the state the one of the states that ratified the ERA. So their state constitution was changed to say that in order for Illinois to ratify a federal amendment to the constitution, um, you have to have two thirds of the Senate and two thirds of the House vote yes. It is so difficult to get two thirds of politicians in a state to agree on anything. Illinois hadn't voted on a state, passed a state budget in years when we were going there to ask them for an ERA, ask them for, to ratify the ERA. So Illinois ratified finally, thank God. And then we kept on going into Virginia year after year after year. They kept saying, no, we would stage die-ins, get arrested, all of these other things. So we figured out that we had to flip the Virginia House of Delegates blue in order to get a yes vote on ERA. So we did that. And then um, at the time, back in January of 2020, 20, yeah, 2020, um, Donald Trump was president, William Barr was head of, um, uh, was the attorney general, and they were like, oh no, not on our watch, are we get giving women equal rights in the United States Constitution? By the way, I do not feel this way about all Republicans. I'm just telling a story about it. So, um, so... The William Barr and the Office of Legal Counsel together um, blocked the what's called the archivist of the United States Constitution, which is kind of like a ministerial job of like being a librarian for the U.S. archives. But one of their jobs is to publish amendments to the United States Constitution. They were like, oh, no, archivist, not allowed the published rights amendment we are not giving women equal rights so um so what happened was that 
the attorney general of Alabama filed a lawsuit to block the ERA from being published. Equal means equal filed a lawsuit to compel the archivist to publish. Everyone loses on standing ground, including the attorney general of Virginia, which if you if a court doesn't want to actually rule on anything political, they'll just say that you don't have standing. So the, some procedural reason, so they'll have to rule on the substance. Right. Like, we don't want to rule on this at all. So apparently the attorney general of Alabama, no standing. The attorney general of Virginia, no standing. Attorney general of Illinois, no standing. Uh, no standing. Nobody has any standing. Equal means equal as a group has no standing, right? So right. here we are with like the Schrodinger's cat of constitutional amendments, whereas the Equal Rights Amendment is currently law, although it's yet to be published. Right. So, so if you don't know, why don't we explain what it is? It basically says that there shall be no discrimination on account of sex, right? It's just so, so easy. It says equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. That is it, people. Right. <laughs> For those who don't know, we do have a 14th Amendment, which has an equal protection clause, and the scope of that has been has been expanded, and basically we now have what's called intermediate scrutiny. It won't get too deep into the Constitution. Right. So, Sex-based so, discrimination is subject to intermediate scrutiny now, but this would elevate it right. to scrutiny so that any type of discrimination on account of sex would be presumptively unconstitutional. Right, and, and the difference between intermediate scrutiny and strict scrutiny is that with strict scrutiny, you have to prove intent to discriminate. So like you have to find a CEO of a company that writes down in an email that can then be found in discovery once you sue them um, that, that they intended to pay you less because you're a woman. So- You mean, you um, mean with intermediate, right? With, no, with, with Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. With intermediate scrutiny, they have to prove intent to discriminate. Whereas with strict scrutiny, all they would have to do is prove the act of the discriminatory act. So like, let's say, for instance, all Jewish people were were paid less money in a corporation. Those Jewish people would just have to prove that they were paid less by showing their um, by showing their pay stubs as examples. Whereas with women, if we all get paid less, which we know we do, we've seen the charts, we've seen the numbers, we've seen the percentages, we know it happens, but we have to prove that they intended in their mind to discriminate against us. But here's the thing with corporations, they can find out all, they can find all of these ways around intent. So like the largest class action lawsuit gender discrimination lawsuit of all time was Betty Dukes versus Walmart. And Betty Dukes won at every state level and every state court of appeals. But when it got up to the US Supreme Court, they struck down those, those, state, those state laws as being unconstitutional because there was nothing in the United States Constitution that says that you can't discriminate against women. And it's not, it's not the US Supreme Court's job to write new laws. It's their job to enforce the laws that are already written. So on a federal level, um, Walmart had the right to discriminate against an entire gender of people. 
Right. Um, so something that seems I like feel a little preachy. Sorry, I, I went off on it. I really appreciate that because it is something that seems like should be a no brainer, right? And yeah, exactly. The Fourteenth Amendment does provide strict scrutiny on race-based discrimination, discrimination on ethnic background, but not against gender-based discrimination, and that's preposterous. Right. And what we're trying to do is just expand Title Nine so that it covers Title Seven and Title Nine, so that they cover everyone, not just people who play sports or people that are in school while being discriminated in school. Right. <laughs> No, that's, that's awesome. I really appreciate and applaud your work. It sounds like they might make a movie one day about your story. Who knows? You never know. Um, but you can you awesome. can go to org to join the cause. Excellent. Thank you. So, yeah, we did a poll last week. What were our results? I know I had it on your page. I had it on mine. We were asking well, people yeah. about the mask mandate in public transportation, whether they yeah. thought it should be lifted or not. Well, um, in my in the poll that I ran, um, the majority of people said that the mask mandate shouldn't be lifted. There were only a few people that thought that it should be lifted on public transportation. So now mine was exactly 50 50. And there were a lot of people who voted in this. I was watching it go up and down, up and down, but it, it actually evened out at 50 percent. Yes, 50 percent. No. So a lot of contention on this issue. Aside from people just liking not wearing a mask. What is the upside from withdrawing mask um, requirements? What is the upside? What does society gain besides just, you know, oh, I can breathe a little freer. I don't have to have the inconvenience of wearing it. What is the gain from society from just like lifting the ban lift, or lifting the requirement? I think one of the main arguments is pretty much that, that they just don't want to wear it, but it's tied to this idea that um, it's an erosion of their freedom and their liberties to, to have to wear it on public transport. Right, right. Sounds yeah. inanely. When yeah. does someone have the freedom and the liberty to ride on a bus that you have to pay for at least all of the ones here in new york you do you know you you have the freedom and the liberty to get from one place to another but your mode of transportation is not really included in that freedom and liberty is it so liberty is something that i think when i encounter it's a concept that i think a lot of people don't have a hard time considering liberty as it pertains to them so liberty going inward my liberty my liberty to do whatever i want but what's very hard for people to grasp is liberty going outward how do I does my actions respect the liberty of other people? Do right. I right. have the liberty to be protected from somebody else who's literally could just be spewing a very contagious disease that could kill me all over me? Do I right. have certain liberties to be protected from other people? Does it go outward and not just inward? And I would argue it does. And that's always right. the legal analysis, right? It's the individual's liberty to do what they want to do versus the public interest and how their actions affect everyone else. And sometimes people only consider their own actions, but they don't consider how this affects the public interest. And that's something we have to, even as lawyers, we have to weigh, right? Courts have to decide this as well. It isn't only about what you want to do. It's about the public as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So. The question is, where does your right stop and my right start? And, you know, this is really not even, uh, uh, if you think about it, the, that particular question is not even that new. Because if we talk about smoking and secondhand smoke, it's pretty much the same thing. Like, they're like, oh, well, I have the freedom. I can smoke wherever I want. Well, you know, 
20, 30,000 people die every year from secondhand smoke that don't smoke. So, you know, this is this pretty much the same thing in that regard. Right. Yeah, when it comes to like lots of lives and mass public health, the 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 the, 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 the liberty of the individual gets eroded upon a bit. You know, and, you know, they're just like there's, you know, mandated possibly vaccines back in the day for, you know, smallpox, measles. Right. You know, it was eradicated. You know, we don't have that anymore for a reason. And it was because it was something that was mandated. You know, legislators thought about it, weighed the pros and cons, decided it was a public health necessity and that's acted on it. And that that's was the, it, it, it yeah. that's what crossed the line. You know, That's the key, right? Individual liberties are always narrower in the time of public health emergencies or crises. And we certainly are going through one right now. So you have to put that into context too. Right. Yeah. In, the, in the state that I grew up in, um, you were mandated by law to get certain vaccines in order just to go to school. And there weren't any religious or spiritual yeah. exemptions for that. Right. If, if, you're, if you're so religious that you don't want your kid to be vaccinated, well, homeschool them. Mm -hmm. right. Yes. Yes. You and, have uh, the right that. I think James in the chat also agrees that it, um, the mandate shouldn't be lifted. Thinking about um, you know, immunocompromised people that that can't get vaccinated or may have uh, you know a lower barrier to to resisting the the virus, and that should probably be considered as well. So that's so, an argument for, for keeping it in the, yes. the mask yeah, in place. Agree. It should right. be kept in place, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it seems like we're probably pretty much in agreement that it's, it, you know, it should be kept in place. And it's, the thing is, it's, like you said, it's it's pretty innocuous. It's not even, it's not a, a, a anything that's going to like mess with your health or any. It doesn't hurt. It's just I another mean, piece I, of clothing. Like Every hospital on the face of this planet uses masks. Right. You don't have doctors every day by the tens of thousands just dropping dead from asphyxiation or you know oxygen depletion. It doesn't happen. Look, right. so it, the notion that it's in some way bad for you is nonsense. And it really is just a massive help to society for a very, very little, you know, little bit of input, a little bit of effort. It's really right. not a big deal. Just wear it. Plus it looks cool, man. Get one that looks like the mask from, you know, Mortal Kombat and Look at Hayes. Yeah, also, also, this is kind of like an, an issue when it comes to class and different economic um different economic classes, right? So like if you're in an Uber or you're driving your own car or you have a car service or you're in a taxi in New York, you're probably not living on the poverty line. So people who live on the poverty line in New York are probably take, taking mass transit, right? So um, to get to and from their jobs. So people who don't have as much money don't have as much access to health care. So if you want to ride around in your Ferrari maskless and have all of your friends jump in, go ahead and do it because you probably have the best health, best health insurance money can buy. Whereas you know, the person and, and not only that, people who grow up or live in poverty have, you know, a better, bigger chance at having comorbidities or having, you know, weight problems, yep. which, you yeah. know, there were a lot of a lot of and, you know, having diabetes, having different issues when it when it comes to where you are as an economic citizen of this world. So, you know, if you don't want to like 
ride around on public transportation with a mask, drive around in your own car. You know, that you is such right- a, sorry, that is such a great point, though. I, I mean, they don't, people don't have a choice. I mean, due to financial constraints, just life, you know, people don't have a choice but to take public transportation. You may, right? You can possibly you can t- you know take a car if you own one. A lot of people don't have that option. So, you know, if if they have health issues and they're genuinely concerned about contracting something because they may have a serious reaction to it, and they you know they're worried about going to work or just traveling, basic travel because you know masks you know li- have been lifted and you know jerks will get on and just breathe on them on purpose because they think it's funny, but it's not funny to them, right? So it's real for people that don't have a choice, and I think that's a very important point. Yep. Absolutely. On the topic of individual freedoms, I have an article coming out in the Wave, Rockwave's newspaper, about free speech on social media. Now, that's a point of controversy now with the news of Elon Musk buying Twitter, so we're going to talk about all of that. But basically, just to lay it all out, the point of my article was to say that everyone has free speech with respect to the government, but People sometimes get confused about what the Constitution gives them uh, in terms of of rights like this. It is protection against the government. It's not protection against other private actors. And if you're on social media, you're agreeing to the terms and conditions of these various sites. The people running those sites have free speech. that The government isn't going to tell them what they have to do with regard to the content on their sites. And so you really don't have a constitutional right to free speech in terms of being shielded from the people running the social media platforms or the moderators. Of course, the government isn't supposed to punish you for what you write on there. But that's something that you often see. Sometimes content gets removed. Someone's complaints are free speech is violated. And you have to make it clear that there is no free speech against the owners and operators of social media sites. However, as I talk about in my article, there is some room for uh, argument that there should be to a certain degree, because there was a Supreme Court case in 1980, uh, where the Supreme Court found that there was a right to free speech in California shopping malls, even though that was private property, the court had found that that was a quasi public space where expressive expressive activity was known to occur, they called it the new town square in the year 2022 I don't think there's any argument that social media is the new town square, and so we may be moving in that direction currently the legal system doesn't recognize that theory as it pertains to social media. And in fact, even New York's courts don't even recognize the the shopping mall free speech thing. So it's not that easy to do, but it is something that I wanted to put out there that maybe in this new world that we're in, where everyone is known to speak online, even more so than you would in the actual town square back in the day, uh, maybe at some point we will recognize some kind of free speech right on social media. Uh, Obviously we're not there yet, uh, so maybe that could be our poll, Jay, for this week, but maybe even before we put that out, we can have a discussion about Elon Musk buying Twitter, because part of what he's saying is that he thinks there should be less censorship and more free speech online. Right. And, and, and yeah, we've talked about this before on previous discussions. Um, and um, yeah, like I, I would say in regards to Elon Musk buying it and, and just the importance of Twitter, like it is a private company, but it is Probably it's it's the number one uh, public discourse platform in, in the world at this point. And it's, it's used by not only private citizens, but by governments, by companies, by organizations. And it's used for information uh, distribution and for discussion and discourse. And so I would think it falls into that, that uh, public space type of uh, area. And that's kind of the danger of having Elon Musk being the sole owner of, of that space. Because, um, you know, just 
he's got a little bit of an ego. He's, he's pretty petty. Um, and people are trying to champion him as some, you know, bastion of free speech. But you know, this is the same guy that a few years back, he personally went in and canceled the Tesla order of a blogger who wrote a post that he didn't like. Right. And so we also saw him last year use his own following on Twitter to manipulate the stock market and the crypto markets. Right. So, uh, you know, there, there are racism court cases that are going on for employees within his company that's been going on for years that has still not been corrected. So this is not that free speech hero that people are, are trying to push him as. And it can be a danger if he's willing to take these petty steps in a place that is such an important location for public discourse. But let me ask you this, Jay, what would you recommend? I mean, do you think the government should take over Twitter? Who should run it? Who should decide what happens there? No, I think the board was fine. I think the, the you know, the ownership they're, they're having to do it is fine. I just think that that with Musk being it and, and being willing to, you know, make things happen at his whim makes it more of a, a, a of a problem than if there's a board and there's voting and all that that, I, you know, that's that's fine. But you know, he's willing to use it for his own means, and he's proven that those actions in the past. So that that's what's concerning. Do you think it should be more democratically controlled? Yeah, you know, I think like it's been like it has been run. You know, with with you know the board and different levels on there. I think you know um, this idea of this free speech, and some of the people are thinking that he's going to allow um, Donald Trump back on the platform, and that's what they're they're campaigning like this is a free speech issue he was kicked off for for having free speech instead of no he was kicked off for blatantly lying and spreading disinformation and, and being very dangerous to not only the culture but to you know world discourse so there's there should be a limit to that so it's not a free speech type of thing so i think yeah elon musk is you know i wouldn't want bezos running it either like I, this is just not you know where they should be should be at I see, Natalie, you want to jump in. You have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> well, I believe in free speech to the extent that I believe that people who disagree with me should have the opportunity to speak on it. And, you know, a threat to, like, censorship anywhere is a threat to free speech everywhere. Um, and I do think that since Twitter is, like, the way that we communicate right now, it's kind of more like a newspaper than it is as like a social media platform. So I really, unless something is blatant hate speech, I think it should be allowed because like, I think that we're censoring people right now to the extent that no one is, if we keep on going down this road, that individual thought will be like exterminated because, you know, we're, we're going to get to a point where, um, everybody's going to be afraid of doing anything because they're, they're afraid that something that they're going to say is going to be misconstrued into something that they'll be canceled for. And why not let Donald Trump back on, you know, like a lot of Americans agree with what he says. I don't, but you know, I think that they should have a right to listen to their candidate that they want to be president on Twitter. You know, I disagree with a lot of things that Donald Trump stands for, but he should not be censored in his free speech unless it's blatant hate speech. 
Well, there are articles that are out now saying that Trump has no plans to return to Twitter, even if he's allowed back on. So I don't know if that's just been posturing. I, I, I'm just using talk. Trump as an example. No, of course, he's going to come back. He's <laughs> going to come back. Like, come on. <laughs> if, if allowed back on, he will definitely come back. He's just talking now like, you know, trying to play it cool. Like, yeah, I don't really need them. No, like, he, yeah, he was up at 3 a.m. in the morning tweeting. <laughs> the White House supposed to be working. Like, come on. Right. He's, he loves it. And, and he had a sizable following and that yeah. that and with that is is influence the and source of his power yeah absolutely yeah i mean he's not gonna walk away from that no that was his 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 ring that controlled them all you know um, look i i like cancel culture a little bit look i i don't view it as some sort of like shadowy group or some slippery slope towards losing individual thought i view it as just like capitalist society just just not liking you because you're being a jerk and it's not more complicated than that for me like I, I like it I think that I like that um, individual companies can have their own policies uh, I don't think that you know the only way to keep things purely constitutional keep everyone's rights would be have a government running Twitter that would be silly I like that companies have their own policies and I also like cancel culture I like that a group of people a big auditorium full of people, for lack of a better metaphor, you know, can just collectively just decide to boo somebody if they're being vulgar or just, you know, generally unappealing. And that's just human nature. That's just, that's capital. That's capitalism, baby. That's actually like, a good point because people will talk about free speech, but you don't have a right to be to shielded be from the effects of nature. Oh, I mean, but things have consequences, right? I mean, every action has a reaction. And so you have a right to say what you want. People have a right to say, we don't like that. We want to boycott you, whatever they want to say. I mean, that's yeah. part of free speech, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, and they, you know, like Disney, you know, canceled maybe Gina Carano for that, whatever. Look, that wasn't just like a canceling. That was just, look, she was just creating so much of like negative um, just just con controversial media stuff surrounding her character, and she was closely tied to a show. That it was just the company just being like, "Yo, we just don't want that all that noise." And 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 if I was running the company, I would definitely think the same thing. I'd be like, "Yo, all that noise, let's just get rid of her. Like this is just not something we want to deal with." And then look, look at what happened to Joe Rogan. They tried to cancel him, and it just gave him millions of more followers. Like people yeah, were like, Who's you know, it, yeah. Uh, you know, it can backfire, but like, you know, the market will speak for itself. And, you know, if the market doesn't like somebody and, you know, it cancels them, they deserve to be canceled. And if, you know, the market likes them and it backfires, then you know what? They don't deserve to be canceled. The market will sort itself. That's a look like Hazel had a, a comment. Like about to, to, yeah, to say something. Oh, I, I, I'm, th this is something I've heard a million times before. Um, I, I personally just observe everyone. I, I have come to understand both sides, right? And playing, always playing devil's advocate because who knows what's right or wrong anymore, right? Like this is, I, I, for, for me, I, I, I'm just, hey, I'm just gonna do the right thing right now. Whatever, whatever is in front of me, I will grab it and I'll expand it. Who cares really what, what, what's, what, what, what is right or wrong because these are individual experiences, right? It's meant to happen that way so we can reflect on each other's flaws and just evolve into better beings. And I, 
it's very simple for me. I don't get too philosophical or it's too sophisticated and yet very restrictive for me to put uh, a certain certain meaning to all of this when I can think about a million other things that are more productive, seriously, guys. <laughs> like, you know, sure. I, I don't have space for that in my head to even right. say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. I, I love Twitter so much. I'm on Twitter. You know why? Because my NFT community is there. I just scroll through gossip. Really, honestly, guys, these high level things are just gossip to me. I'm, I just practically do what's good for the community. End of the story, you don't like me, go find another friend. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, I'm, 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 just, I'm just living according to what's good for the community. And I, I, I think that's, that's, that's all we should go. Who, who cares what these kids post on Twitter, right? Like people, people say, Hey, you're being gaslighted. And yeah. Okay. Sure. But if you were smart enough to even like build a wall against that gaslighting, like, well, how's that even going to affect you? Like you're supposed to be smarter than being gaslighted by, by someone. And I appreciate that perspective, but let's, before we even move on, let's just put that poll out there because we'd like to put it up there for our stories later. So the question we want to ask this week is, should social media users have First Amendment protections against the owners and operators of the social media platforms? Okay. And, and I, think, I think that, um, you know, I, I understand uh, Hazel's point and um, Zan's point as well, uh, but we also have to be, keep in mind that there are dangers to just being unfettered uh, speech on any level. Like you can say, you can't go into a crowded movie theater and scream fire, right? We It's kind of socially unacceptable and it's very dangerous. And when you've got someone like a Donald Trump or you've got someone with these massive followings and influence that go on and say things like BLM is a terrorist group and keep reiterating that over and over, that becomes very dangerous speech. It's not just, um, you know, words in the air. And, and that turns into physical action and altercations in real life. And so to make sure that people aren't going on and, and espousing these negative and very, very untrue statements that is causing people to sway one way or the other is something that, that needs to be taken into consideration. So I think people like Trump being kicked off the platform or people like, you know, like that being corrected needs to be dealt with. And I know a lot of people are, are looking um, to kind of control things one way or another. And I could say like this free speech, not free speech, but this kind of censorship does affect different people. Um, we've had, BLM Tokyo have had two Facebook pages pulled down for saying that we violated certain speech. One of the pages had absolutely no content on it. It was just put up just so that we can connect to Instagram. But because of the rhetoric around BLM and the sensitivity around um, this, these different types of um, views of, of the organizations or, or the, the, the movements, right? Facebook has taken this very strict approach and it was pulled down and we weren't the only one. Several in different countries had their pages pulled as well with no content on it. I, so I want to like comment before violent. you get like too far yeah. down the road, man. Uh, look, yeah. I, um, look, where it, when it takes the turn from just, you know, 
saying kind of crazy stuff to inflammatory rhetoric and incitement to riot, right? Incitement to violence. These are real terms. They're legal terms exactly. and they mean something. And, you know, ref, you know, culturally, judicially, whatever we have to do to refine these terms and work them into our everyday lexicon, use them. Because they, some, for some reason, they seem to be too gray or they're just not, the, 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 the laws that execute them don't seem to be, you know, they don't have any teeth. They're not, a, they're not applicable. They're not, they're not sticking, right? They're, they're stickers that when you put it on something, it just falls off. It's just not working. Right. So these terms need to be refined and used properly. And um, look, it, that's a different issue from like a social media, you know, policies that might be done by an individual. That is just straight up crime. OK, and it needs to be dealt with like crime. And it doesn't have to have anything to do with the leaders of the movement or the, I mean, the, the, the website. It just needs to be dealt with by officials. But we have to, you know, I like, clarify what these terms mean and start, you know, using them. Right. That's a great point, because even if we're talking about free speech and First Amendment rights on social media, the First Amendment is not unlimited. As Zan just said, you can say things that are criminal. So just because there's a First Amendment right doesn't mean you can say whatever you want. I mean, you still can't defame someone. You still can't incite violence. There are things that you can't do uh, even under the free speech that we have. No rights are unlimited. Um. Mike, do you remember the Falwell case that involved um, Larry Flint and Hustler Magazine? Yep. So Hustler Magazine claimed that Larry Flint lost his virginity to his mother in an outhouse. And the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Hustler Magazine, saying that because there's no chance that anybody who were, was a follower of Jerry Falwell would ever believe that right. he lost virginity to his mother, that that they that it was protected by free speech. That's a great, yes, I, I thank you for bringing that up. Part of defamation is you have to prove damages, number one. So if you can show that your reputation could not have been damaged because no one would possibly believe this, you don't really have a case. I actually have some experience with this in court myself. I had a client who said some pretty outlandish things about an ex. And my argument was, because my client was sued for defamation over it, my client, my argument was, it doesn't matter if these things are, are, are technically true or not, they're just so outlandish that no one would, would believe them, that it's, it can't possibly do any damage to this person's reputation. And I won that argument. I, I just want to say, um, I'm, I'm at a loss next. I have no idea what Hustler magazine is. <laughs> never, never heard of it in my life. Never heard I'll of it in my life. I'll send you one. I'll send you Fun, okay. <laughs> popular, popular mechanics, National Geographic. I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to wrap this up shortly, but we did want to talk about, you mentioned BLM and the right. comments that were made by uh, a BLM Greater New York activist right. New, uh, regarding the New York City mayor. So you want to lay that out for us real quick? Right. Yeah. And you brought it to my attention last week where uh, apparently, I mean, New York has been having these these um, the shootings and there was the one where there were like 10 people shot. And then the following day, there was like 16 people shot. And the mayor was uh, asked about it and his response, because I guess the majority of the victims were black. His response was basically, oh, well, you know, what about I thought Black Lives Matter or something to that regard. And so this this uh, local organizer of a BLM group had responded that 
um, you know, he was basically a Republican, even though he's a Democrat, and that um, he was a, a, a white man in blackface. Talking about the mayor. Uh, right, the, the mayor of New York. Um, and so, like this, this guy, this, 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 I forgot his name, uh, something. Uh, Eric Hawk? Adams. No, no, but, but the BLM activist. It's oh, Hawk. Right. Hawk, I think it's Hawk Newsom, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Um, and he's, you know, one thing with, with some of the BLM is a lot of the, the groups, it's more of the movement and not it's, it's tied to the official organization. So he's not a tied to the official organization. Um, he has his own personal you know, there's only one official organization, um, BLM organization in New York, just even the one that we do out here is not tied to that organization. Um, so, so there's that he is a BLM activist in sense of the movement. Um, and he's known for making inflammatory remarks. I look more into it. He seems to have said quite a few things on if different issues at some point. Um, and um, I guess this kind of upset some people what he what he said um, in regards to Adams. And right. uh, yeah, so you had asked something about that. Yeah, so I obviously disagreed with Eric Adams' characterization of events, but I didn't think that the rhetoric used in response to it was productive. It seems like that's a divisive rhetoric, and that's the kind of thing that's only going to really give ammo to people saying things like, BLM is a terrorist group and all these, you know, these, these nasty things that you hear. Uh, I didn't think that that was a productive way to have the conversation. I thought in this case, two wrongs didn't make a right, you know, talking about blackface and talking about he's, he's a white man in, in blackface. I mean, that's, I think you're turning off a lot of people by using language like that, but maybe that was his intention to be provocative. I, I would imagine part of it was, but I don't imagine that's kind of how he feels um, in that that the talking point that Eric Adams used, Eric Adams used, is a very common right-wing, conservative, racist, bigoted talking point in regards to not only BLM but just black issues in general. When anytime there's some sort of crime that involves a black person, people bring up things like um, black on black crime, which is also a misnomer. People bring up things like, "Oh, I thought Black Lives Matter, so why are black people doing this? Or why is this and that?" Which none of that is relevant and not even true. Black on black crime is not a thing. It's just crime. You know, no one talks about white on white crime when, uh, you know, white kids go into their schools and shoot up the whole thing. No one comes up and says, oh, well, what, a, you know, uh, what about white on white crime? It doesn't happen. So, um, yeah, I'm sure his intention was to say exactly what he said, is that Eric Adams was mimicking this, this ideology that comes from that white supremacist ideology. Right, and I think you articulated that a, a lot better than he did in that particular instance. And I think the argument that I was having with you was about um, the midterm elections and how this is not gonna help Democrats. And really, I wasn't speaking in particular about this, but I was kind of putting that in the bigger picture of you hear that the Democrats are just waging like this culture war, even though I would argue it's where the Republicans doing that. But this is kind of what's happening right now where you hear that, you know, they're, they're being too woke. They want to cancel everyone. They're doing, you know, they're, they're obsessed with race. They're race baiting. You're all these, diff these different things. Um, and, and like you said, a lot of it is right wing talking points, but I just don't think that that's helpful if we're trying to show that we care about policy. Now, to your point, because I know when we had this conversation, you said he's not really a politician, so he maybe doesn't care about that. But uh, I just think that, uh, the, the big picture here is that we're probably going to lose the midterms because of rhetoric like this. Right. I think, like, I, I, I think 
to in, in, in regards to this, I, I have to disagree with that. I, I think if the Democrats are going to lose midterm elections, it's not because of, you know, Hawk Newsom calling uh, Eric Adams, uh, you know, a black man, and a white man in black face or something like that. It I think it probably has a lot to do with that that idea of the culture war that's that's being promoted right. by both sides. Right. Whereas and this idea of being overly critical, overly sensitive, um, it has to do with a lot of things. And, and you know, people are not going to be happy about it, but it has to do with uh, pushing of, a, you know, extra political correctness has to do with pushing of this of these different ideas that stem from what people call woke ideologies and things. And and just Democrats being Democrats like. I mean, you know, Democrats don't do all the things that, you know, they come up and say they do, even when they have control of things. And a lot of times it's because they have pushback, <laughs> but a lot of times they're, you know, they're invertebrates, you know, they don't have the, the spine a lot of times. And it's better or worse, kind of people are going to associate a BLM leader with the political left, even if he's not holding himself out as a politician or a leftist. Absolutely. Or whatever. They're going to say, this is what the Democrats are doing. It's not accurate, but it doesn't help. And I, I do think that this is the kind of thing that's going to cause us to lose. But they were going to say that anyway. The people who would say that were going to say that. Well, in our well, I think, I think it's that, in a more awful way is my point. Right. And it well, sounds like Van had a, had something yeah. to chime in here. No, I mean, historically, guys, the president's party loses, but it does poorly in the midterms. That's just, yeah. that's a historical trend. That's right. always been the case. And it's a tight that's race. So you know what? It's probably just going to pull it down mathematically anyway. And I think, I think, in, in the environment we're in as well, things are so highly polarized and things are so highly sensitive that everyone has, you know, people have short-term memory. You know, once the Republicans get in after about, you know, three, four years, then they're gonna be like, oh my God, this is this is horrible. And then let's switch to something else. Then the Democrats get in, oh my God, this is horrible. Let's let's but go yeah, back to something. cyclical, absolutely. And it just happens like that. We should forget. give up, right? I mean, I think we should be doing all we can. And when people say things that are offensive, we should call it out. Like, you know, we talked about that before with Twitter. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was kind of what, what I think what Zan was alluding to a bit about uh, council culture. Yes. Like some of it, some of it is, is just accountability and holding people's feet to the fire in, in many regards. There are some, I think, go too far, but yeah, some of it is like, but yeah. I think in this case, uh, Mr. Newsom should be held accountable for the way he made his point. Again, I don't even disagree that what the mayor said was worth criticizing. Yes, I do think I should be criticized for the reasons that you outlined, but I think it's the way you do it and the rhetoric. Really, we talked about this before. A lot of the political disagreements in the country are more about rhetoric and messaging than they are actual policy. Right. Uh, a lot of these things, oftentimes, these slogans do not mean what the people are trying to portray. And if you have to explain that yes. your backstride is not what you actually mean, you are losing that argument. Exactly immediately. right. That's like a comedian telling a joke and trying to explain it, right? You lost right, it. exactly. Right. Lost it. It's not funny. And right. Democrats are awful at this yes <laughs> democrats are horrible yes, at messaging right. they're horrible messages horrible messaging oh and God. for him to go out like, and say he's a white man in blackface that's just look I, I get it he wants to be provocative i guess he probably doesn't care about political correctness and all that kind of thing but that's like a lightning rod thing that's going to have people running for the hills i mean if you want swing voters in ohio totally. to democrats it's not helping you want to lose some seats in the House of Representatives in Florida? Use the word socialism all the time because they, a lot of those people down there, fled a socialist dictator 
right. order to become American citizens. And then they hear the it's word absolutely, socialism. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and the point and I was also making on this was he himself, Mr. Newsom, was complaining about the mayor being too conservative. And basically he right. said, we need more liberal policy. Well, if that's your agenda, you shouldn't do something that's going to help Republicans win election because then you'll have more conservative policies. Right. Yeah, I think in, in that regard, um, he's not a politician and he's not, and I don't, I don't know what his political affiliation is. I assume it's Democrat. I believe um, he identified as a democratic socialist. Okay, um, but he's not running front office. He's he's got a he's he's running for a call. He's pushing a cause. He's pushing, you know, whatever his his cause is, and to, he doesn't have to think about what's going to work for the Democratic Party, right? It's not beholden to the Democratic Party. Causes shouldn't be beholden to any party. Uh, the, part, the politicians should have to adjust what they're doing to what the people are are trying to talk about, and so I, I don't. I don't see it from the lens of even if what he said was not, you know, was not uh, uh, was kind of it was inflammatory. If it wasn't in that lens, um, it shouldn't be viewed as how it affects the Democratic Party or he even he has a goal, right? He's saying he, his goal is X, but he's doing right. things that hurt the chances of X from happening. So it's not about being beholden to the party; it's about being counterproductive in what you're trying to accomplish. He's the one who's stepping into the political realm. Well. It, you you can ask for you can ask for uh, policies and you would like certain policies enacted. Doesn't mean that you're actively being in the political realm. You can say that this is, I think this policy should happen. Politics. The mayor but, he wants more liberal policies. Yeah, but that still doesn't mean that he has to be. You know, you know maybe maybe he doesn't envision that with a democratic candidate doing it. Maybe he thinks it's a a, a libertarian doing it or he thinks a whatever. So it doesn't matter if he says something, it's not about how it is what I'm saying going to affect the Democratic Party. That's where my issue is with it. I understand that. But what if what he's saying is going to help more Republicans win office and help Republicans win the House and win the Senate? Then what he is saying is contrary to his own goals. I mean, that's part of the accountability, I think, that we should demand. Yeah. And and I get that point as well. I mean, and I think it's it's similar to the the. Um, what was happening with the presidential election, right? Whereas the whole goal was to get Trump out, right? Doesn't matter what, what your issue is with Biden or, or with anybody. It's like, let's, let's put that aside right now and let's get, let's get Biden or get somebody in that's going to get this dude out, right? And so like, let's all get on the same page in that regard. And, and I get that. Um, if it's in, in the context of a campaign or a context of, of something in that regard, then yeah, I, I'm with that. But in other, other cases, it's like, look, you know, sometimes you have to rattle, rattle some feathers or rattle some cages, excuse me, ruffle some feathers. I got and, and to be fair, I always say there's a difference between being a politician and being an activist, and he is in full right. activist. So. Yeah. It yeah, is but a, a vote, anything that the Democratic Party does right now is going to affect the Democratic Party in November. And, and any vote that's not for a Democrat is a vote for Mitch McConnell and his policies. Right. And so... Um, we don't want to eat ourselves in order to fight the Republicans. We we don't want to, you know, eat our own young. Yes, here. exactly. And this is the problem that we have. There are some, certain people on the left um, who don't even see Republicans because they're they're just surrounded by people 
also on the left. And so they're yeah. trying to fight with Democrats who are a little bit less liberal than them, not realizing right. that we're just killing each other and allowing Republicans to keep winning. Republicans right. don't do that. They won't no. fight no. you no matter. You could, like that guy in Alabama, he's like, a he was a pedophile and Republicans were like, vote for him anyway. <laughs> right. I think that's, and we've talked about this before. Um, and I say that's kind of one of the inherent weaknesses of, of the liberal side is that it, it takes into account so many different opinions and things, whereas on the conservative side, it's very laser focused. Like, I hate this and right. that's it. It doesn't matter what, what anything else. It doesn't matter he's a pedophile. I don't like that that liberal guy over there. So I mean, I'm gonna but, but that's, I think, a virtue of the Democratic Party. We shouldn't say that we it is. No. like Republicans in that respect, right? Right, right. No, it is a weakness in, in what I mean in terms of this fight with the with the opposing side because they can be right. laser focused, whereas Democrats can be very um, scattered because they're they're you know they got so many irons in the fire they're trying to appease different things, which is you know which is an asset. But when you're dealing with someone's got a laser laser focus, they can rally more people at Demo one time. Democrats want to fall in love with their candidates, be inspired by the candidates, right. by the candidates. Republicans just want to win, really. Then if they yeah. have exactly here on the Democratic side, we're gonna we're just gonna take down Al Franken immediately. Right. And then over here on the Republican side, they're like, oh, pedophile, great, vote for him anyway. So those, good, those are the two polarizations. Exactly. Exactly. I don't like either of those things. <laughs> I don't like either of them. I either. I don't like either of them. I, I'm not saying I do. No, no, I, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. Big differences between the Democrats. Yeah. Yes, they both have their flaws, but I think if Democrats are trying to win, we should do better. Better messaging, yeah. right. rhetoric. Let's get behind our candidates the way the other side does. Yep. But I think uh -huh. I think what one what all sides can probably agree on in most cases um, is the love of pizza. So uh, they, I think they yeah. should uh, make sure they get out and get some of that. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah. Are there going to be some gluten free options? Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. OK. Yeah. Oh, awesome. yeah, that's probably something we should we should talk to uh, to everyone. But. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to be thousands of people coming in from all over the world. You know, we this is this is a worldwide event, by the way, guys, if you are interested to join us and give away free pizzas, contact us, uh, go to humancouncil.io. It's a peacemaking charity we've extended to opening our foster care center. We also provide scholarships to people that are interested in coding. You know, we give out crypto, uh, how to make crypto, um, uh, get into coding and, and other tech stuff, basically. Awesome. Email us, you know, we, we have jobs also for, for people. So this is a community that people can be involved in. And, you know, we're inviting everyone to just be involved in charity. Great. Any closing words, Natalie or Zan, before we sign off here? No, no, not at all. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. If doubt, start a revolution. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you guys coming in. and um, so much, guys. Thanks for inviting us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. We'll see everybody next week. Good night. Bye, guys. Bye.